of you. Romans chapter 12, a little bit of a different place for us to turn than we have been. Um, We will begin our summer series, what I call All In, learning to joyfully give God everything. And you are here bright and early this morning. You ever ever feel like you're just a a touch on the sluggish side? Um, You need that extra little shot. I I remember one time uh, someone gave me um, the caffeinated gum. You ever have the caffeinated gum? this, This might be a neat idea for you. It was on a Sunday morning. And I remember um, I was chewing on the gum feverishly as I went into the pulpit to preach. And one of my accountability guys, bless their heart, they they were talking with me afterwards. They're like, hey, uh, Bogey, you you doing okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, okay. I said, had some caffeinated gum this morning. He looked at me and he said, don't don't ever do that again. (laughs) So if it's a little sluggish, okay, I'm not having any caffeinated gum, just to make sure of that. Uh, You have your bulletins in front of you. This is a little bit of, a, uh, of an odd, weird bulletin cover. I'm sure you picked up on that. I want you to think for a moment as, as we kind of dive into this series over the next four or six weeks, what the Lord has for us. Um, I want you to think of this little check, okay, as your life. Now, now, it's totally absurd to think that you would sign a check with no amount in it and give it to someone. Like, what? Yet that is exactly, when we think about this summer series of Romans chapter 12, that is exactly what we are asking for you to consider because that's really the truth of what we see revealed to us of what it means to be all in as far as living sacrifices we'll look at in just a moment. We need to, uh, we need to first and foremost just bow our heads before the Lord as is always appropriate and fitting to seek guidance as we dig into the truth of the gospel this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we come before you and we are grateful that you have allowed us in your grace and in your mercy another day. A day, Lord, to be together, to sing praises and lift up our voices, um, declaring our praise and our worship of you. We are so undeserving of your love that has remained constant. Father, we we pray for uh, this body and individuals. We pray, Lord, as a church, as we seek to fulfill the vision that you have given to us. And, Lord, it, it, it comes with great sacrifice and great work, even great pain at times. And yet, Lord, there is amazing joy. And seeing how you, you choose to use us, even in our weakened, weakness and our brokenness, you, you choose us, and we just delight in that, and we love you. Father, open our, our hearts now uh, to see and hear you. Help us, Lord, to learn what it means to truly cast ourselves at your feet. Father, I do pray for our country, our leaders, as you command us to pray. Father, I pray as well for those uh, in, in France. Um, and, and every week we go to you just pleading for your comfort upon those who have lost loved ones. We pray for, pray for those who are living in terror. We pray, Lord, for those who are committing acts of terror. God, we pray, Lord, that they would come 
to you, that they would know you, and that we, Lord, in any way, just as we sang that we are salt and light, that we would be that truly in this, in this world. We love you, and we thank you, Lord, for this time to be together. May you be glorified in it. In your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Okay, it is certainly fitting and appropriate before we dive into Romans chapter 12. Like, why in the middle of a, of a book? Um, let me give you a little bit of background here on the author of the book we know is the Apostle Paul. Um, we've been working our way through the Gospel of, of Mark, and we realize as we're to follow Jesus, we always have in the back of our mind, yeah, but, but that's Jesus, like he's God, and we're just, you know, we're far from that. Um, when we look at the author today, the Apostle Paul, He's one of us, okay, in every way. We are like him. Um, Paul, I, I write my own personal um, definition, is as physically unimpressive as you could imagine. If, if Paul were to walk into this room, you certainly would not have picked him out as the powerful uh, vessel that he is, that he was, that God used him to be. I call him as as unimpressive as possible. Think of Mr. Rogers. Um, remember Mr. Rogers in his neighborhood without the boat sneakers, okay? He is like so far beyond and behind. And yet he has this inner resolve and this strength that is given to him by the Holy Spirit that is unbelievable. It is almost unprecedented, coupled with a mind that is absolutely brilliant. He has the ability, both in his speaking and his writing, to take, take words and, and to communicate the wisdom of God that both kind of teaches our minds, but yet still touches our hearts. And he has the ability to do that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. A setting of this particular context, Paul is writing from the city of Corinth. It's addressed to a church of of believers in the city of Rome, obviously. He's at the end of his third missionary journey. It's about A.D. 56. And what is unique about this particular letter, the, gospel, the, the, the epistle to the Romans, is that it's not written to correct errant theology or bad theology like the, the Colossians, uh, the Colossae heresy. Paul wrote to correct bad teaching. Romans isn't like that. Uh, this book is not written as well to call out ungodly living, like the Corinthians who were just living in, in, in utter debauchery. Romans isn't like that either. What's interesting about this particular letter is that Paul is writing to the Romans and they're actually enjoying worship together. Uh, at this particular moment, they are doctrinally sound. They are well-grounded, very secure in their beliefs. They're actually doing church in many ways, very, very well. This is, this is the audience that Paul is writing to. This is the church that is having baptisms on a regular occasion and, and baby dedications, and they're having potlucks and prayer meetings and little 31 days of prayer. Like, they're doing church in really healthy, good ways. The problem is, is, that, is that they're not what I call being the church. They're, they're doing church but they're not being the church. The reason is, and I use it in my own simple explanation, is that the Romans are not all in. Now, now today, this morning, this very minute, we have to understand that we 
can be just like these Romans, these listeners, these Christians in the first century some 2,000 years ago. We live in a culture such as the Romans that is literally closing in a culture, a context that is collapsing in, in many respects, upon the local church. I read just this week, according to a 2015 uh, report from Pew Research, 22.8% of U.S. adults do not uh, claim a religious affiliation, which is up from 16.1% in 2007. What this means is that there's a category that are referred to as nuns. They believe nothing. There's no, no religious affiliation. They have no connection to a church. They don't even believe that God exists. Nuns, okay, now outnumber Protestants. Um, nuns are 22.8% in the United States. Protestants, we would fall into that category, are 14.7%. A continual decline of adults in America who identify as, yes, I'm a Christian. And even that term Christian is a very broad, broad. That's 14.7 compared to 22.8. 59% of millennials who grew up in church are leaving on a constant basis, which means the millennial generation is the most unchurched generation that has ever existed in the history of our particular country. Do you realize that we have young people today, according to Barner Research, say that, that young adults say that it is more morally reprehensible not to recycle, then look at porn. So we, we, young people today have this idea that it's, it's worse to throw out your garbage than it is to bring garbage into your own life and heart and home. That's the context, the culture that we are living in. That's the reason that we are here. We exist to be what I call all in. To live in such a way that we have our lives laid before God as a blank check, which is there's limits to what you and I will do. And yet God, according to what we see in His Word, we are supposed to live, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. And I will go wherever you want me to go. Even that right there, you're like, whoa, whoa, that's a little steep for me. We have to learn to live. That's what Scripture calls us not just to do, but that's what Scripture calls us to be. To be. Here it is, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Very familiar. Most of you I know have this memorized. <clears throat> Paul writes to the church at Rome. Similar to you and I today, the Holy Spirit speaks to us with these words. I, I appeal. I appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, the Apostle Paul begins this chapter with a plea. 
A please, but a strong please. I appeal to you. Some translations use the word, I urge you. The old King James says, I beseech you. It simply means to, to implore strongly. We could use the word that he's on his knees saying, I beg you. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, it's a transition going from something towards something else. All of chapters 1 through 11 are instruction, and now chapters 12 through 16 are going to be exhortation. This is the hinge right here. Paul is going from a doctrinal portion to an application portion. What's interesting is that the word therefore usually connects us back to the immediate chapter. What does chapter 11 have? Actually, Pauline scholars really think that this connects us back right to the chapter uh, 1, verse 1, where Paul is building a case for the gospel all the way up to here. Therefore, what is he doing? He's directing our attention, what? Brothers, so he's no, he, we know that he's speaking to fellow believers, not just anyone. That, this is a message for you and I. He says, what? I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, we have to create a foundation as far as well, what is he going to teach us, tell us. The mercies are, mercies are something that is given to you, that is credited to you, that is applied to you, that you simply do not deserve. We can understand the concept of, of mercy. This is the clear authority by which Paul establishes his foundation for us to look at. The mercies that really go all the way back to the first chapter... Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are what we deserve God's very full weight of His wrath because we've rejected Him. Chapters Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3. We deserve the pit of hell and eternal torment. And that's really what we have waiting for us. But Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 8, we are justified by faith. When we step into faith, we acknowledge what Christ has done for us. Romans 5 and 6, our sins are forgiven that we can be made alive with Christ. We see in Romans chapter 5 and 6 through the atonement of Christ. Romans chapter 8, through God, all things work together for our good. Romans 9 and 10, God is calling people unto himself. And so it's this hinge on therefore it takes us all the way back to all of the mercies that God has stacked up upon you and I that we just don't deserve. But he's, he's graciously giving that to us. Do you realize, why would we throw our life before God as a blank check? God, 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 do anything you want if we are not fully aware of the mercies that we deserve eternal separation and damnation, and yet God has graciously poured out to us His unfathomable, it's unimaginable, His amazing grace, thrilling grace, exhilarating grace. And yet I'm I'm afraid at times that we are not very exhilarated by it. We we find that we have to pop some caffeine gum just to make it through another day. Well, what what are we to do in light of the mercies? Here we go. Number, Number one of three. We move quickly today. Give your body to God. First thing that we have to learn how to do, we, we literally, we give our body to God. It says this, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I want you to think of two words, the word holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. We're holy giving everything completely 
And we're giving it what? Holy. H-O-L-Y. So we present ourselves, we give our body holy and holy. Now we think about this term living sacrifice and you're not, you're, not, you're not alone to think this is just like freakishly weird. What do you mean sacrifice? Like any, we're thinking of blood sacrifice or some kind of a human sacrifice that is just like totally sick and wrong all the way through. And you're correct on that. Because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice on the cross, any and all Old Testament blood sacrifices are not only unnecessary today, but they're actually wrong today. This is intend, this is instead a reference to the acceptable form of our worship, offering ourselves as living sacrifices. R.C. Sproul says it like this, we are to bring a thank offering to the Lord. Now, now years ago, when people went to worship to the, to the tabernacle or to the temple, they would go as a, as a family and, and, and dad would often be carrying a lamb Okay, where they would have on a rope a goat or a bull even as they were going to church. Think about how challenging it was for you to get to church. Imagine you coming to church this morning with a bull on the end of your lead or your rope. That's the way that they, why they would present that. This was costly to them. This was valuable to them. This is expensive to them. This was hard for them couldn't afford a bull or a goat. It was a, a, a turtle dove or even some, some grains that were given to gods. Today in church, Aaron prayed right, right before we offered our, our offerings before gods. He prays, let, let, let's do it as a form of worship. Our tithes and our offerings, then we're to do it, what? He even used the word, I, I heard very specifically, to do it cheerfully and joyfully. And that's really the idea. Even as you, as you lead an animal to its death, there's a sense of joy that I get to offer something of such value. And, and I don't know if that's the way that we actually sacrifice any longer. Yet, according to our text, what does it say here? It says you present your bodies. Now, we know that Paul writes later to the church at Corinth, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God's. To present our bodies means, well, what do we have here? We have feet and hands, and we have eyes and ears and a mouth. And we're, we're, we, we're to use that, that physical body, alongside of the, the gifts that God has given to us. Every single one of you, has an ability to do something for God's glory with your physical body in some way, to, to serve with your hands. Maybe to, uh, is that how you cook, right? You mix, you cook or bake. Um, maybe it's painting. Maybe it's speaking, the ability to, to teach or communicate to young ones. Maybe it's the ability to write that you have the ability to just just craft words, to smith words in such a way that when someone receives them, it's like, wow, what a, what a gift, what, a, what an encouragement. Every single one of you has, has a gift or a talent, an ability that God has given to you that you are to exercise in some way. I don't, I don't care if your ability is, 
is that you can shoot a three or you can shoot a basketball or throw a ball, then you're to use that not for your own glory, but for God's glory. Now, that's where we collide in the, in the world that we live in. Everything, everything is focused upon ourself. Indeed, God has given to us all these different parts of our body, but the problem is, is that we love our own body. We want to hold on to this for our own glory. What can I gain from this? How, how can I, how can I be, be, be put atop of a podium so that all the focus is on me as opposed to, no, I, I couldn't go there because the focus, I belong to the Lord. Everything I do, everything I say, every breath is for God's glory. That, that is the reason that Paul wrote this, that we, we present ourselves, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. I, I thought, how, how do we explain this living sacrifice? I think one of the best explanations that we have really in our culture that we are regularly presented with. In fact, I, I count it just th- three, I think it's four couples, just, just in our church alone this summer, will, what, stand before God and all of these witnesses in marriage. And they will have their lives united together as one. And, and you know, and, and you've seen in a couple of weeks, I had the privilege of standing before a couple, and, and she will walk up the aisle arrayed in all of her beauty and, and radiance. You know the moment, and the women start crying, and, The groom's up there standing next to me. He's just nervous all the time. He just has like this really weird grin on his face the entire time. He's just smiling like she's mine. And what what they're doing is that they're basically presenting what? Themselves to the other person. I am all yours. I am all yours. Every part of me. And you are all mine. That's, That's what a marriage is. That's what a wedding is. Imagine if, if there were vowels written in the marriage that says, okay, I am all yours, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday afternoons. You got me, whatever you... Imagine that written into the marriage vows. We've got a problem. I am all yours from 6 in the morning to 6 at night. After that, no, 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 no. It would just be like, no, that's not the way that God has designed it. Living sacrifice says that every part of me... Every, every bit of energy, every gift that God has given is yours. And together we offer God glory. Now, now, the means by which we are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices in a way that, that a commitment can be manifested or that level of commitment can be made known, the means, the primary means that God has done that for you and for me is through the local church. Do you realize that? That's what the body of the local church is all about. The way that you are to offer everything to God. To make it known before God and before others is through the local church. And that's really the challenge that I want to present because I still feel as much as we understand, okay, we are here to really, really Build relationships, transform lives to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am, I am still concerned, and I've been preaching here almost, what, over five years. I'm still concerned. We have takers. 
We have takers in our midst. Where people are just taking and they're taking and they're leaving. And they're not offering. They, they really have not come to a place where they're saying, I am all. I'm all in. The local church is the means that God has given to us for the fulfillment of His kingdom and for the gospel to be communicated. The local church is the, is the avenue. And yet some come and sit and take and leave again. And we have a problem there. We have a, a problem there. I like Joshua Harris's summary of what commitment looks like. Some of you are, okay, okay well, so then what do I have to do? What does it look like? Harris says this, number one, you join. One out of 12 people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ will actually get baptized. One out of 12 in our country. You mean, you mean you, you, I'm sorry, you want to follow Christ, but you don't fulfill the command of being baptized? Like one out of 12 people, one out of 50 people in our world today will actually join a local church. One out of 50 people who say, I'm all in, I'll take, I'll take all the time. One out of 50 in our world, he claimed to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, actually connect with churches. Harris says, how do, how, do we, how do we summarize the commitment to the local church? Number one, you join. Number two, you make the local church a priority. Now, I'm preaching in the choir here. It's 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and I'm here with bells on. Pastor, who are you talking to? Wonderful. Wonderful. Make yourself available to those who are in need within the local context of our community. You join, you make the church a priority. You try, and Harris wrote this. Joshua Harris wrote this in his little book. I I didn't write this. You try to make your pastor's job a joy. Now, I was like, should I just scratch that one off right there? But I can't just like scratch it. Can I honestly just pause here? Many of you, many of you do that on a regular basis. You, you make my job in absolute joy. I was sharing on Wednesday night, and my, you just drop a bomb once in a while. Don't you steal it. I've been preaching for 20 years, and I so confused those kids on Wednesday night. They were just leaving like, what, what were you talking about? Like, we didn't get it. I, was, I didn't bring it really full circle. I forgot to tell them that God takes this crazy path for us to to. to be where we are about the path that God chose for me to be a pastor and wasn't part of my plan. I forgot to tell them how much I love being a pastor. And, and, and I delight in that. And I, and I thank the Lord for those of you who work hard to make my life and my job an absolute joy. Harris continues on. You find ways to serve, which means you go looking for ways to serve. Start talking to people. Don't wait for people to come to you. You go to them. You look for ways to serve. There are all kinds of ways that we can serve our community and one another through the local church. Harris says another way is you give. Yes, we're giving. I, I, I don't really believe that any one of us live with an idea of God. Whatever I have is yours. It's all yours. I, I think that we literally scratch off the surface of what, what is enough to give so that oftentimes I don't feel that bad about myself. And that's, that's not what we're seeing according to what Paul writes to the church of what it means to be all in as living sacrifices. Harris adds, you connect with people. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. How many times I hear 
I'm so lonely. I told someone this week, he who wants friends must show himself friendly. Connect with people. Go to them. It's really not that difficult. When you connect with people, he adds, you make disciples. Oh, I'm so excited about the upcoming class. I want to have everyone. I want this place filled in between the services next week. There's a panel that we discuss and talk and launch into. How are we really going to make disciples? That, that's what we've got to learn. That is the whole thumb of the get a grip. We make disciples and you share your passion. I love that. I love talking to people and they get excited about something and you want, you get absorbed into that. That's what we want to be as a local church within this community. That's the way that God's going to continue to bless Big Woods Bible Church in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. First, we give your body to God. Secondly, you give your mind to God. You give your mind to God. It says in verse 2, the first part of verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal or the renewing of your mind. Now, if we truly seek a transformed life, first of all, we're supposed to be transforming our community. You cannot transform your community unless your own life has been transformed first. That goes without saying. We can't jump out into the community. We're going to transform this community. If you have not had your life transformed, if you're not living presently, transforming your mind, if you want a transformed life, the most important thing you've got to get is a new way of thinking. A new way of thinking. A transformed mind comes when you're not conformed to the rest of the world. What's interesting is that the word repentance in Greek is metanoia, which literally means a change of mind. We always talk about you're heading this direction, which is true. You've got to go in opposite direction which you're going. Metanoia is what it begins here. That's where we begin to change. Our mind is transformed when you do not think like the world thinks. The problem is, is that we have opened the floodgates of our eyes and our ears, and we have allowed the, the images of the world, the messages of the world, the philosophies of the world to just literally just pour into our lives and into our minds and into our hearts. And we're beginning to buy the lie that the world lives. For an overwhelming number of young people to think that it's, it's more of a reprehensible act to not recycle then view porn. Like what, 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 is, what is twisted about that kind of thinking? We don't think like the world. The world says what? Well, you look out for yourself. No. No. Now this idea of, of being transformed by not being conformed, we, we have to look at these things happening constantly or continually. It's not just one and done. And not only are they happening continually, they're actually happening simultaneously. So we have to continue to do this, and we have to do both of those things all the time. Our minds are going to be transformed by not conforming. Our minds are going to be transformed by not conforming. Now, we understand that our pattern always is what? We go to Christ. Our pattern is Christ, who lived on earth, who refused Jesus, excuse me, Satan's solicitations to temptation. When Jesus ministered, he was under this constant barrage, just like you and I. 
of temptations. And yet Jesus, the word transformed, metamorphio, he followed a path that led to the cross. He was willing to change the direction. His personal view, and we'll see that in just a moment, his personal, his personal thought idea was not, oh, I hope and I wish to suffer like this. But his, his mind was metamorphio, metamorphosis, changed, transformed. So that he accepted this in complete willingness and submission to the authority of his heavenly father. Willingness, living with willingness and submission, you and I living with willingness and with submission, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. You give your body to Christ, you give your mind to Christ. Thirdly, you give your will to God. That you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. If Christ is our pattern here, our example here, remember the night that he was betrayed and arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you recall, he prayed, Father, if it is your will, remove this cup from me. In, in a sense, his, his own personal in a physical body was, I, I don't want this. However, however, what? Nevertheless, and here's the willingness, here's the submission, nevertheless, not my will. Well, how many times do we need to repeat, Lord, not what I want, but what you want? How, how many times? My, my will for my life is pretty, is pretty puny and pathetic. Like my will is comfort, Ease, acceptance, uh, luxury. I mean, my will for my life in me, like, is pretty horrible. It's self-absorbed. I want my family around me so I can touch them and hold them and hug. That's that's just pathetic. I, I want to be what successful. That's just horrible. It's not my will. It's your will be done. Take whatever you want. I'm all yours. My family's yours. My wife's yours. My home yours. Every minute of every day. Not my will, but your will be done. This is what is modeled for us in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Practical ways, how, how do we do this as a church? How do we do this as a church corporately? How do we begin to do this individually? The world says what? Grab all you can get and give a little bit so you don't feel so bad about yourself. You just give your leftovers. No, no, the Word of God says it's all His anyway. You give Him your first fruits. You give Him the very best. Remember when, when Dad was walking to the tabernacle with the lamb? It wasn't like, hey, son, just go grab a lamb out there. No, 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 no. They went together and they searched and, and, and maybe one of the kids brought one. And, and that, this is the one. This is perfect. No, no, no. Look, he's got a little, he's got a little problem on his, on his back hoof. And so they'd send it back and they would search. They would bring the very best one. They would all look at it, all examine it. There's nothing wrong with it. You realize how valuable that was in that day? We're going to offer this one. We're going to give this one to die in the place that we deserve to atone for our sins. The world says give your leftovers. Jesus says you give your very best. The world says look out for yourself. No, 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 no. Jesus says you look out for others. Begin to see others. I was listening to Platt this week and he asked the question, when was the last time you have wept? 
You've cried. Like tears running down your cheeks. You've wept because someone that you know, that you go to school with, you work next to, is lost. That if they were to die, they would go to hell forever and ever. How long has it been? And that's a time thing. That's a time question. Has it been a, a day? Like it was yesterday? You wept over someone's lost soul? Was it a week? And I was, I was, I was humbled and humiliated, even as the Holy Spirit searched my own heart on that very question. And I have to confess and ask for forgiveness. It's been too long since I've wept for those that are lost around me. I, I see this young man. I won't share his name on a regular basis. And, 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 and he is so lost. And I've shared with him and shared with him. And he puts up just, just, just boundaries and walls. And I want to pray for him. I'm going to go back to him. I'm going to talk with him. I want to weep. That's what we are to do. The world says, well, you only, you only go around once. Just you better feel good. You better grab all you can get. No, no. This is like a little tiny little snippet of all that eternity. Jesus says what? You live for eternity. The world says what? You're, you're here by chance, the result of an accident. You die. You go into the ground. Jesus says, no, you, you were born with a purpose. You have a purpose. And only you can fulfill the purpose that God has called for you to accomplish. You realize that? You, you can talk to people that I can't talk to. You can build relationships that the other one sitting next to you, they can't build. That only you can specifically fulfill the purpose that God has, has called to you. Romans 12 is a phenomenal text that really allows us to say what it's, it's all. Lord, we are all in. That, that we, we can't be, we, we can't be kind of like half in, half out. This is neat. I love the music. Oh, this church is wonderful. You guys are so nice. No, no. No, we live on the very edge every single day, the very edge of what? The cusp of eternity. And, and may, may we be mindful of the fact that Jesus Christ has poured out His love for us and His grace and His mercies that we deserve the very worst of His wrath, and yet He offers to us, He offers to us the very, very best. How can we not, how can we not be 100% committed? I, I love the fact that we have, you talk about all in, well, we have this right here in front of us. Oh, my. Oh, my. We have the Lord Jesus Christ who literally said, I am the bread of life. And we know that we have on a regular basis the elements of communion that are placed before us. And we understand that we have an, uh, an image of what Jesus Christ has done for us, allowing His own body to be given and His blood to be poured out so that we can be free from our sin. Jesus Christ was with His disciples on the very night that we were just talking about. Right before He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, He was with His disciples and He shows them, as I share with you, an object lesson. He took some bread and He broke it. And He showed it to them. And He says, this, this is a picture of My body that is broken for you. Jesus is modeling for us what it looks like 
to offer everything. How much, how much do we say, well, I'll give a little bit, but I don't want to give all. Jesus says, well, I did. Aren't you a follower of me? I think this is the beauty of what Christ has done. It says that He took the, the fruit of the vine and He poured it out. And He said, this is a picture of My blood that is poured out for you. Through the washing of blood, our hearts are made pure, are made clean. This is, this is us receiving the gift Jesus' life, who lived in complete perfection. This is us receiving what? The mercy that we don't deserve. We don't deserve to have our sins justified through this. But that's the love that Jesus has shown. That's the love that God the Father has for us. We don't deserve the grace. But it's an amazing, exhilarating grace. The problem is, is that we seem to do this so often We're not exhilarated by it any longer. And so today we're going to pause and we're going to quiet our minds and our hearts. And we're going to reflect on in in solemnness, in solitude, in, in seriousness, in quietness, we're going to reflect on what it means to be all in as a follower of Christ. And grateful that because Christ was all in, we can be. We, we can choose to offer ourselves as Christ did. Let me remind you um, that we are a local church that is committed to respect the very careful elements that have been shown before us. And so if you are a believer here this morning, I would invite you to participate in this as a, as a renewal, as a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done. The elders are going to serve it to you. They're going to serve you the, the cup, excuse me, the bread first, and then they'll serve to you the cup. And I'll ask God's blessing on it. But as we receive this, may we, may we have before us a visible reminder of what it looks like, what Jesus Christ has done for us, pouring out His mercy and grace by offering Himself. Elders, if you could come and assist as we serve this to you in celebration of what Christ has done.
you pray with me? Father, as we come into your presence um, in prayer, our heads bowed, we want to acknowledge that we understand, although with finite minds, um, the gift that you've given to us and the, the immense price that was paid. We thank you, Lord, for the plan that you have shown by coming to earth as a man and living a perfect life and staying on task, on mission. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the work that was accomplished on the cross and for the fact that there was a sacrifice that was paid once and for all. And now, Lord, that we are to live as a living sacrifice in holiness and completeness. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for this bread. Uh, it's a picture of what Jesus Christ has done. We thank you, Lord, for his body that was broken, his blood that was poured out. Father, may we in, in quietness now receive this. May we acknowledge you that we desire to be faithful and obedient followers. Lord, I just ask that you bless us as a church, that you would empower us and instruct us so that we, Lord, who are recipients of your mercy and grace can show and share others how they too are recipients of God's mercy and grace. Bless this bread and this cup now to us and may it be a renewed reminder of our commitment to you, our devotion to you, and our love for you. We love you. In your name we pray. Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
It says, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It is with that that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. Praise God. Matt. Stand with us, please, as we close.